Happy 2012. It's Raina G. Usually, uh, on either New Year's Day or New Year's Eve, I give people my predictions at least for the first half of the year, whether they're political or weather-oriented or disaster-oriented or whatever. Um, I have asked and vision-quested, meditated, done everything I can for this year's predictions and have come up empty. Um, That's the first time in 12 years, which means to me that 2012 is definitely a pivotal year for the entire world um, and will be for the United States for sure. What What I do know is that in listening to people talk about 2011 and the years prior to that, but more about 2011, they said 2011 was the worst year they've had in their lives. And it didn't matter if they were 20, which is kind of funny, the worst year in their lives, but um, or 30 or 50 or 80. They really felt 2011 was a disaster. Um, and it did start out that way, if you remember the multiple tornadoes that went through the Midwest and, and just totally destroyed so many things, and the floods, um, the Corps of Engineers opening gates to flood even more places. Uh, HARP, which H-A-A-R-P, you can Google that, uh, probably responsible for a lot of that. But um, that was those were the disasters that began the year with all kinds of things continuing, with the, the, the hurricanes that went up the East Coast, etc. But 2012, I can't this year come up with anything. Um, and I'm always told this. I mean, I'm always given the messages for the year. I've been, I've been podcasting for 12 years. Um, prior to that, I had groups of friends in circles, etc., and they would always ask prior to New Year's Eve, what's going on the first six months? And I would be able to answer quickly because those messages were given to me. But I have none for this year. I went to a a, uh, New Year's Eve party last night at at a place that's a home, but it's called The Porches in Fairhope. It's a huge, 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 huge home. I mean, and they have a chicken coop up back, which is 22 by 45 or something like that. It was huge. Um, And a lot of different kind of people there uh, from both sides of the aisle and way on both sides of the aisle. And I listened to some talking about 2011 and um, and their their weird agendas and their their tunnel vision about so many things. And what I felt and what I saw as I was listening and talking with people was a lot of um, very specific agenda items in their minds with no clear vision of a big picture. That's a little frightening to me as far as elections go because when we focus on only agendas it's the same as if you do it in your own little personal life if you if you have you know an agenda is like a it's like a list right and people will write down their resolutions or write down their to-do list or their honey-do list or whatever for the week or the month or the year and they'll put down five or six specific things that they want to get done, and usually um, one or or ten percent get done. But because they put down those five or six things, and they're very specific in those things, everything else is forgotten. 
and their vision becomes so focused on just those things that, and you'd think if it was that focused that they would get them accomplished, but they don't. Everything becomes so focused on that that when somebody brings something up regarding something on that list, it's a fight, it's an argument, it's a debate about how it should be done, when it should be done, who should do it, all those different things that people do. And what I heard last night was people, in the same sense, they'd pick one issue out of millions involved in this next election this year. And there are millions. I mean, there are millions of issues that shouldn't even be in the federal government's hands. They, they shouldn't be issues, but they are. And I listened to people talking, and, and they really had no clue what they were talking about. They were using talking head points from mainstream media and some cable networks and talk radio. And, and I, I listen and I read a lot to all of those uh, programs, so I know exactly what the talking points are. And, um, and who's saying them. And I heard, I just heard echoes. I didn't hear uh, anyone in a discussion actually discussing. The other thing that I saw and felt was the difference between the male and the female energy in the house. And it was all, you know, pretty much couples <clears throat> throughout the whole party. And the male energy was um, almost upsetting to my body my mind, my spirit, not because male energy is upsetting, but because the way that they are using their energy shows me how fearful they are. Now, I have a, a couple who was there who were uh, are very good friends. The wife is an artist, and the husband um, is in real estate. And they had, a few years ago, before the economy hit the bottom, um, come up with a, a wonderful idea for global real estate and were really, I mean, they, they were setting up an IPO, an initial public offering. That's how good they were doing. And they were flying high. And um, as soon as Obama was elected, of course, everything crashed. And we know who, who did all those things. We don't have to, to re, re, you know, go through all those things again with Barney Frank and Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae and all those things that they set up on purpose uh, to crash the economy and push Obama into office and all those things. But but these this couple, very, very nice people, and uh, they used to be clients of mine when I was working in, um, in body work. And I talked first to the wife, and um, one of the things that she said to me as she was reiterating when it happened, because I hadn't seen her in a couple of years, was how good they had it and how they learned so quickly that the American dream doesn't exist. And I and I looked at Linda and I said, "That's you're. I think you're wrong. What you learned by losing um, the power of money and the significance of all the money that you were making and were going to make, and the dream of all the money you were going to make, what you learned was that." the American dream has nothing to do with money. And that's something that people have lost sight of. Everyone talks about the American dream, how you can come to America and be successful, be rich, get rich, and then spread the wealth around. And I never saw American, the American dream as being money, even though we're in a, um, a capitalist republic. I always saw the American dream as 
living in the most beautiful country in the world, or at least one of them, but I believe the most beautiful, if you really cover the United States and don't stay on one coast or the other, you'll find places that are magical and and different seasons and even the different weather that other countries don't have. A, country, a lot of countries don't have tornadoes. They don't have the devastation that we have. Um, they don't have four seasons, really. They don't have snow-covered mountains and right down the, um, the slopes, you know, a nice, warm, white, sandy beach. They don't have the Emerald Coast. They don't have um, uh, lobster boats sitting out in one harbor or shrimp boats at another. They don't have all the different things that America has. But the main thing they don't have is the freedom to express their love for their country in whatever way that is. If that's music or art or writing or science or, or um, you know, even demonstrating politically, they don't have that freedom. And the American dream to me has always been not only do you live in the most beautiful country in the world, but you're able to express the feelings, the emotions that you have for that country any way you'd like. So the freedom to me is the American dream. And if that freedom incorporates or includes making money, okay. But it also incorporates and includes not making money or having money. And you can still feel like you're an American and you're proud to be here and you're happy to be here. But um, we've had, of course, our... Uh, our politicians of the last three decades actually convincing us that the only way you're worth anything is if you're rich, if you make money off of others, no matter how you do it. And and now, if you make money off of others in other countries and, um, and don't allow even your fellow country men and women to, to, um, to make the same kind of dollars or have the same kind of... Um, Oh, monetary power, I guess. And so what I saw last night and heard was the people who have lost that power got down on their knees and they actually feel grateful for what they learned. They had a lot to lose. And the more you make, of course, the more you have, the more you have to lose. People who didn't have as much to lose felt like they didn't learn as much <laughs> from all the things that have happened. But all of them then said... It was the worst year they've ever had. So where did that come from? Is it the worst year because you didn't have a job? Because you didn't have an income? Because you don't have enough money to do what you want? Because um, because of all those things, your family life, your, your love life, your children, whatever, were depressed and you ended up on um, antidepressants? You know, I mean... <clears throat> People who say to me, I love my Paxil or I love my Zoloft, it's like, what do you mean you love them? The, what is that about? Why do they love their antidepressants? Why do they love the escape from what's around them? I don't see life that way. Um, I fall down and I do, you know, I make my mistakes and I make wrong choices just like everybody does. If I come from my head, especially... If I come from ego, I really make bad choices and say bad things. If I come from my heart, I don't um, falter as often. And when I come from my soul, I, um, I don't, I w I don't want to say I don't make mistakes 
because we, we have no way of knowing with our souls if we've made mistakes or not. But I always feel a calm, a, um, a peace, if I'm coming from my soul with anything that I say or do. And so I, I talked to people um, last night, <clears throat> trying to help them see the world in a little different way. And the artist, the woman, the wife, I put my hand on her shoulder and told her what the American dream really is. And she got tears in her eyes. And she said, you know what, you're right. We lost sight of all of that because we were trying to keep up with the rest of the rich. And we were trying to make sure that we had everything. And they did. They were, I mean, I remember when they first started out um, and realized that they were going to to have a, an excellent company that was going to do just marvelous things around the world with real estate. And they were making bucks back and forth. And every week I'd see Linda and she'd either have a new ring or a, a new car or uh, or they were going on a trip to, to, to Europe whatever and when they were clients when both of them were clients I actually I told the husband I said I said Jeff you know the last time you were on my table I was getting angry at you I said not without love I, I know I, I love these people I said but I was getting angry at you because you were losing sight of what it means to be a person to be a human being to be a fellow human being you were all into your head and all into the power that you were going to have and I said, and within months, after the last time I saw you, everything you had was gone. What did you learn? And he, he, he just hugged me, and he said, you know, it did bring me to my knees, but I found character in myself. And it, I, it, I cried, I, you know, I was angry, I was upset, I was scared. I was fearful of everything. I was afraid of anything because I, I didn't have the money or the power to do it anymore. But what I found was, I, my company, he said, every single employee stayed with me for the last three years without a paycheck. Every single one of them. Because they believe in what he's doing and what he's going to be doing. And his wife, of course, stayed with him. And his kids... Um, struggled through some things, but they they found out how to strike out on their own and become, you know, valuable human beings instead of of uh, kids who stay home and do nothing or expect the parents to do whatever. But what they what he found was character. He said, I I I know that I was wrong in how I was looking at everything, and when my I head hit the ceiling. It knocked me out, knocked me down, took me to my knees, and I realized all the things I had to be grateful for. And I will never, never look at money the way I did before that hit. Now, some of my predictions from um, years ago, in fact, 2004, I did my predictions for 2012, and told people by 2011, if not sooner, the um, money would mean something completely different from what it had meant before. It would be something that you sought, but wouldn't have the same iconic symbolism for people that it used to have. Now, there are people out there who are struggling and are unemployed and don't have an income. And um, 
and they're looking at money as the only way out or the only way to survive. There are people in marriages and relationships who probably shouldn't be there anymore, but they look at money as the only way they're going to survive. There are kids out there who should be, you know, looking for scholarships and grants or working jobs like my kids have to, to go through college. They didn't have to, but they wanted to because it gives them more insight into what's going on in the world. It gives them a sense of responsibility. It gives them a sense of ownership in their lives, in what they're going to be doing with their lives, rather than having it handed to them. Um, I know of relationships where where the, the breadwinner, the income producer, um, provider, believes that they have the power within that family because of that. I've seen it for years. I've watched it deteriorate. And many families now don't have that anymore. And they've had to relearn what their roles are in, in the world and in their communities, but also relearn their relationships to each other. That, you know... Um, and I got I have 20 and 30 year olds who listen to me all over the world and and something that I hear a lot is well men are the providers and women are the nurturers and <clears throat> it's kind of a weird way to use words men are the providers why because they get paid more because they find jobs and women don't and women are not the providers they're just the nurturers so they stay home and they have babies and nurture you better rethink those words because um, many of the men who make a lot of money, they may provide some of that money for the family. Well, it's a partnership contract. I would hope so. But they also put a lot of that money aside or hide it or spend it or don't tell anybody about it because <clears throat> they're afraid that when they get older and they're not as good-looking or agile or athletic or whatever they think they're going to become um, and or they retire they get too old to work or they get too tired of working they want to have that money available to go play so they may provide but they're really providing for themselves for later in life um, and the women who are nurturers if that's what you're going to call them they're providing education a budget, a business plan, uh, maintenance, innovation, invention, contracting and building, um, all the the uh, service industry jobs because they provide food, they wait on people, they um, do cleaning, laundry, shop. <laughs> they they're also drivers, um, and they you know. So they're transportation specialists in, in many ways. They have many more skills and, and they provide many more things than the money does. Women would still do that if they were living in a shack and the income was low. You remember Little House on the Prairie? I mean, sometimes they had no money at all. And, uh, and Charles, of course, um, Michael Landon, who was a good friend of mine, would try to go out and provide the money. But it was Carolyn home with the kids and the farming and the, I mean, and, and, and the creativity who really maintained the family and maintained, and it was the women who maintained the community. Women in Native America are the keepers of the earth. They are the ones who are responsible and attached to our planet. 
And it's that female energy that is now coming up to the surface saying, you know, we have to change the way we're doing things and thinking and the way we're treating each other because if we don't, we're all, we're not going to survive. And that doesn't mean, you know, the, the, the far right idea of, or I don't even know what it is, or the libertarian idea of, you know, just let everybody cross the borders and, and all be happy. That doesn't work. You have to have boundaries. We're human beings and we live in a, in a global society, but we need boundaries. Just as you need your own personal boundary, your own personal circle around you where you allow some things in and some people in. And at certain times or forever, you, you keep others out. Same thing with a community or a country. You have to have boundaries. You have to have borders. Same thing. And when somebody um, dishonors your heritage, um, disrespects your personal space or who you are, uh, attacks your principles, you have a right and a duty and an inherent ability to fight back. Not just say, okay, whatever you say. Not just condone any kind of behavior so that everybody gets along. Not try to keep the peace all the time so that, um, you know, you don't have any conflicts to go through and you don't have to worry about them. Look around you. We have weather that shows us that nothing is, is constantly peaceful. Nothing is always warm and cozy. Nothing is always freezing. Nothing is always blooming. Nothing is always in, you know, uh, providing shade. There's, there's rain. Those are our tears. There's sunshine. That's to show us it'll always be there. The light is there. There are storms. I talked to a young man last week, and I said, there's nothing wrong with storms. Nothing. You can have storms. You're going to have storms because we have this, this energy that goes up and down all around us. Like a sine wave, it's positive and negative, positive and negative. You try to find not the positive all the time. You try not to be negative all the time. But you find somewhere in the middle where you can bounce back and forth and become alive. And being alive in America, looking for the American dream, means that you're going to go up and down and back and forth. And sometimes it's going to be good and sometimes bad. So travel the country and look. you got hills and mountains and you have valleys. You have plateaus and you have long stretches of nothing. And then you have long stretches of too much. Um, it's life. It's called living. We can't be afraid of it. We shouldn't be afraid of it. We should look at it as a dream, but, but also create our reality from that dream. And that reality will have storms. It'll have conflicts. It'll have anger. It'll have all those things because we get afraid of the unknown. We get afraid of what we don't, we've never experienced. So we don't know it. We've never seen it. If we haven't seen it and known it, then, then it must be like the darkness and we don't want to go there. Um, but if you don't go there, if you don't go ahead and find out who you are, whether it's, it's something like the economy knocking you down to your knees or just a bad day because of the rain or whatever it is. If you don't go there and see how you deal with it, why are you here? To pretend that everything is always going to be on this steady little level playing field 
um, as some politicians try to say we need to do, that everything should be exactly the same, look the same, act the same, be the same, always the same, never changing, that's not living. If you, one of the most stationary things that doesn't change very often is a section of a cemetery. Once all the plots are filled, they don't move again. There's nothing added, nothing taken away. A few people will add a flag or a flower once in a while. But the plot itself just stays there. That's death. But when you see the leaves changing on the trees and the wind blowing things from one side to the other, you see animals um, scurrying around looking for food. When you see the weather change from cloudy to sunny to rainy to snow to cold to hot, when you see all the, the changes that go on around us constantly, they are also going on within us. That's living. So we can't run away from them. We can't be afraid. Are you afraid of waking up? Are you afraid of going to sleep? Are you afraid of um, walking, running, sitting, being skinny, being fat, eating, not eating? Are you afraid of drinking water? Are you afraid of, you know, telling somebody I love you? Are you afraid of, of telling somebody I don't love you? Um, they're all necessary things. Sometimes in any relationship, whether it's to the earth or to nature or to a person, you have to look at that that thing that or that person in your life and decide whether or not it should be. And, you know, we yeah, even though we're the keepers of the earth, women who have used trees, for instance, which is one of the most sacred plants in Native America, will look to the tree that they have to chop down, thank it for all it has provided, and let it know from the soul, not standing there talking to a tree, but let it know that it is now going to provide different things, and it is no longer going to be in our lives as a tree. Okay, so you have someone in your life, a boss or a spouse or whoever, who has caused your energy to become so negative that it's now manifesting itself in your body as a negative force. You need to look at that person and say, you know what? The money doesn't matter. I don't care if you're the boss and you're giving me my paycheck every week. Um, or the spouse and you think you're providing for me all the time. You're buying me. Or um, the boyfriend or girlfriend who keeps buying you gifts. Or a friend who sucks your energy all the time. Doesn't know how to give you a part of themselves. Only what they think they want to give you or they think you need. All those things, all those people, you need to look at them and say, I don't think you're in my circle right now. I don't think I love you. I'll accept you for who you are and I won't judge you. But I'm not going to just love you when you're doing things that, as a, let's say the boss is treating people like dirt, telling people, a woman, for instance, um, today who... <coughs> would get fired if she doesn't get an abortion because he doesn't want to provide for pregnancy leave. Um, spouses who say, you know, you're going to do what I say or, or you'll have nothing. You'll be out on the streets. That, that's happening to women all over the country. But they find out that they won't be out on the streets because other women and other people will make sure that they're not. And luckily we have had laws enacted that were promoted by women a long time ago to make sure that all the years that they worked in the home got paid for.
But we have all of that going on around us, and <clears throat> it's not um, it's not something we need to be afraid of. It's something that we need to be creative with, and understand that this this change in our life, this way that we're dealing with things, gives us character. It gives us um, a power and a strength that we didn't know we had. And we're able to recreate the dream into what we need it to be. So if there are predictions for 2012, I guess what they are is um, they're not specific to weather or war or money or politics or any of those things. They're more general. They're a, a broader view of who we all need to be and become. And I, I said to this young man that I spoke about um, in an email, I think I said to him, or a text message, I don't know. But I said, you know, the, the, the new year is a time of possibilities, and everybody resolves to do certain things and, and all those things. But I said, but the main thing that each day is, and therefore the new year, is, is the range of probabilities that you can create. Not the possibilities. They're always out there. Possibilities are forever. What can you probably make happen based on all of the things that you are, all the parts of you that are there? What can you make happen to make your life what you need it to be? Uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do this year. I'm, I've just finished a book a few weeks ago. I'm... Uh, I think I'm, I'm starting another one, actually. I didn't even realize I was doing it in a, in a screenplay that will touch people's hearts and minds and souls um, if it ever gets produced or, or the book gets published. We never know. The, the important part is the creation of it and, and, and then giving it the energy to do what it needs to do. Uh, I'm not doing body work anymore, but I am doing energy things all over the world and in the country. I'm um, planning on doing circles, um, not necessarily locally, but so those of you who are in other states who have a group of 10 or 12 or 20 or 50 who who want someone there to facilitate a healing circle or a possibility circle or a probability circle or whatever it needs to be, um, let me know and get me there and I will... I will um, facilitate in a way that will probably change your life. Um, we're going to be doing some weekend classes on essential oils and, and uh, holistic health so that families start learning how to do those kinds of things. But all of that is kind of out there right now and it'll all get formulated and turned into what it needs to be. And I'm, I'm ready for that. So no predictions there either. I can't predict a thing. Not this year. Maybe six months from now I'll be able to say there's a hurricane coming or or life is going to change drastically pretty soon or this is who's going to win the election. But as for January 1st, it's 2012. It's a year that has gone down in many people's minds as being the year that everything changes and life as we know it changes. Only if you do it. So if life is going to change... If life as we know it on this planet is going to change, guess who's going to do that? We are. So I can't predict what you're all going to do. All I can say is do it from your heart and your soul. Be creative. Do it with love. Do it with boundaries. Do it with understanding that the dream exists.
it is there. And we just have to reach out and grab it. That's what 2012 is all about. Please pass this on and share it. Earthwalk USA.com or Podomatic.com or iTunes. Um, you know, be aware, stay aware, and don't be afraid. If there's one thing I can say for this coming year is have no fear. This is Raina G. Thanks for listening.